Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel. I'm Jake. And we're We're so bored. The podcast where each episode we take a close look at a tabletop game and discuss our personal experiences with said game to help answer the question, will this cure our boredom? That's right. We look at the mechanics, complexity, and replayability in a game to determine if it's the perfect alternative to, well, we'll say sitting in the Miami airport from 7.30 in the evening to 9 in the morning while you wait for your flight home from an awesome vacation. Man, how can you even be thinking about that already? I'm just waiting for the actual vacation. Because by the time this comes out, we'll already be home. That's true. So, yeah, just a little bit of a heads up, guys. We are recording this ahead of time because, well, Jake and I got married and we're on our honeymoon right now. Well, we're getting married. We got married? I don't know. At the time of the recording, we're not married. But by the time you hear this, we'll be married. Yes. Anyway, today we're talking about Machi Koro 2. And this is actually going to be part of our sub-series, our brand new sub-series, that we are lovingly calling Short and Sweet. This is supposed to be for games that are pretty simple and quick to pick up and play. And by that we mean that it's a game that can be played in 45 minutes or less. Machikoro fits that to the T. It is definitely less than 45 minutes. And today we're actually talking about Machikoro 2, which... We don't know if it's released yet or not. At the time of the recording, it's not released. But on the website for Pandasaurus Games, it only says that it will be released in November of 2021. Early November 2021. So there's no official release date. So by the time you hear this, it might be out. Or it might not be. You'll have to go and check on that. There might be a release date by the time you hear this. We don't know right now. But Machikoro and Machikoro 2 are designed by Masao Suganama and they are published by Pandasaurus Games. So we actually haven't gotten our hands on a copy of Machikoro 2, but we read the rulebook, and it's very similar to the original Machikoro and some of the expansions. It actually kind of feels like the expansions of the original game are kind of leading up to this new version that is Machikoro 2. So it's just kind of a consolidated version of all of that. So I feel like we are able to speak about this game a little bit intelligently, having played the original and some of the expansions, and we can give some feedback. And, you know, again, having read the rules, I think we can be able to talk about how changes will impact the game. Machikoro is a dice rolling card game where you are trying to build up your city the fastest. So for Machikoro 2, the first person to build three landmarks wins. And these landmarks get progressively more expensive the more that you've built already. Yes. And the way that you purchase these landmarks is by building buildings and rolling dice. So the building cards are separated into three different decks. And each card has a designated number correlating with numbers on dice. So the decks are divided into cards that are between 1 and 6. Another deck is 7 to 12. And the third deck is the landmarks. Those are the buildings that you're building to win the game. Yeah, and so the landmarks don't have a number associated with them. So the first two decks, those cards, it's like an effect that gets triggered when certain circumstances are met, including the number on the dice that's rolled that matches the number on the card. Landmarks don't have that number, but they have some other kind of powerful effect that helps you in the game. 
So to set up the game, you'll take five cards from each of the decks and you'll place them in kind of a marketplace area to delineate what is available for purchase. And you'll reveal cards from each deck until there are five unique cards from each deck available in the marketplace. If you do happen to come across any duplicates, they just stack on top of each other. And so you start the game with kind of an initial construction phase where everybody gets five gold and you take turns going around building one establishment from the marketplace of things that are available out of that five gold. You can go around and do that three times, you know, or if you don't have any gold left, you can pass. But you can build up to three establishments, and that's basically the start of your city. Like, those are your starting cards that give you your initial income when you're rolling dice. And if you don't spend all your coins in that phase, you keep whatever you have left over. So once all that is done, the game progresses by everybody taking turns that consists of rolling one or two die. And like we said, that number that you roll may match some cards that you have built in your city or other people's cities and may in turn grant you some income. So in order to talk about the income that you get, we have a couple different types of cards that we're going to talk about. So you've got the establishments. Those are the ones with the numbers on the top. And you've got the landmarks. Those are the ones without the numbers, but that's what you need to build to win the game. The establishments are broken into different types of We have primary industry cards, which are delineated with a blue background. You gain income when anyone rolls that number. So if it's not your turn, it doesn't matter. If you have one that has a five on it, somebody rolls a five, you roll a five, doesn't matter. You get the money associated with that card. Secondary industries are delineated by a green background on the card. These are only triggered when you roll that dice. So if it's a five, you have to roll it to get the money on there. Restaurants, which are my favorite. Restaurants are red. You get money when somebody else rolls that number. And you don't get money from the bank. The person who rolled that number has to pay you. So if you have a three red card and somebody rolls it, rolls a three, they now owe you the amount of gold that is indicated on that card. And then major establishments are purple. You get income from all other players, but only when you roll that number. And it's not always just gold. Sometimes there's another effect that will happen with those, depending on the cards. Or at least that's how it was in Machikoro 1. Like Rachel said, we haven't gotten our hands on a copy of this, so we don't know what those purples look like, but we do know kind of what they do. So yeah, the last deck is the landmarks. Those will have a symbol on it, either like three exclamation marks in kind of a kapow, little spiky background symbol. That indicates that it is a one-time immediate effect that you gain or something that happens when you complete the construction. Or the other symbol is like an infinity symbol, and that indicates an ongoing effect that will take place for the rest of the game. One of the interesting things about this that's new to Machikoro 2 as opposed to previous versions is that some of these landmarks actually affect and help your opponents. So, for example, the amusement park in the previous version of the game would just grant you the ability to basically gain an extra turn and and roll again if you got doubles. Now, in Machikoro 2, if anybody gets doubles, they can re-roll just by one person having the amusement park. So, that's a new interesting thing to consider when deciding which landmarks to build. I won't build it. Okay. (laughs) 
So the card description is at the bottom and that describes, you know, essentially how much gold you get and what happens and who you get it from. The rest of this card is like a a cute little picture of whatever the building or establishment is. And so you might see like just a wheat field or like a little cafe or a bakery, stuff like that. They're cute little pictures. They are. That's one of the reasons I like this game. Yeah. So after you roll the dice and you earn your income from that roll, you can spend your money on building one construction. So that means you can purchase one of the cards in the marketplace area to build into your city. You're adding new ways to earn revenue or you're getting those landmark cards getting closer to victory. If you have no coins after the earning income phase, you automatically get one from the bank. And that's that's kind of it. That's the game. Then your turn is over and the next person takes their turn. The game is kind of a balancing act between building up the establishments in your city, which are the cards that are triggered by the dice rolling numbers, and building up the landmarks. The landmarks tend to be pretty expensive, so you can't just go and build those immediately. You have to add some other stuff to your city. But it's also possible to get carried away with just building up your city with all these other establishments and forget that you need to build the landmarks. And so the game is really kind of a balancing act between that race to complete the landmarks and establishing enough other stuff in your city. False. You just need to build more city buildings. Just make more money. That's all you need. That's it? Don't even bother building the landmarks? Nah, that's what I do. Okay, alright. Well, sounds like you never win then. So, we've kind of talked about our experiences a little bit already with the original. I love the original game because... One of the things that is different about the original game is instead of having a marketplace where you have to get random cards that are brought into the game, every single card that is available in the game is available for purchase at all times until they run out. So it kind of takes a little bit of the randomness away where you can actually build a strategy. Yes, you are rolling dice, so that's unpredictable. But with the choosing of the cards that you want to purchase at any given time, you can buy a one, two, three, four, five, six, so that you can almost always get gold. Granted, not everything happens on everyone's turn. Sometimes you have to be the one to roll the dice. But there's very few cards in the original that don't get you money when it's your turn, if that makes sense. So the expansions kind of take that strategy away and add a ton of randomness. The expansion version that we got came with two of the original game expansions, Millionaire Row and The Harbor. And in the rules, they tell you to take all of the cards, throw them into one big deck, and they have you pull 10 unique establishments out. And I hate that. You know, it could be the beginning of the game where nobody can roll two dice and you can be stuck with these cards that are all seven or above and they don't benefit anyone. So I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of like what we said earlier, I feel like all of the new versions of the game or expansions and everything that have come out are really just kind of working towards what Machi Koro 2 is now, though, because those two expansions that we're talking about that we've played are the first two expansions that came out for the original Machi Koro. So then there's another version of the game that came out after that called Bright Lights Big City, which looks a little bit similar to what Machi Koro 2 is. And that has you splitting things out into three different decks, although Landmarks isn't one of the decks. It's actually the purple cards that are their own deck. But it has you split that out into three different decks so that you can guarantee that you have a good variety of numbers available to purchase from. 
And then, you know, Machi Koro 2, I feel like expanded on that even further. They took away the requirement to have a certain landmark in order to be able to roll two dice. So right from the beginning, you can roll two dice. So that means that if you only have things that are 7 through 12, well, you can still roll for that and gain a benefit from that. I also really like the randomization that they're adding for the beginning for the starting cards. So you don't always just start out with a wheat field and a bakery like you do in the original. Now you have a little bit of a, an ability to kind of modify your strategy a little bit and focus on things that are what you want to do or what you think is the best for you. Granted, you still are kind of subject to the randomization of what is available in the market. That's not going to be every single available card in the deck, but the way that they have it set up does guarantee that you have more variety and allows you to have a little bit of more uniqueness in that way. Yeah, I like the fact that it's now going to be split up to cards that are 1 to 6 as well as 7 to 12 and then the landmarks. That way you're not stuck, like I said, with cards that are all 10 and above and nobody can roll doubles. Like It's ridiculous when that happens. Yeah. So I like that. I like that they're changing that. Yeah, I think that that's a good change. Also, just in general, I mean, I kind of like the randomness. So even when we're talking about just the original game and its expansions, that's something that Jake really didn't enjoy because it took away his strategy, as he says. But I feel like Machi Koro is not a game that you really come into with strategy. It's really meant to be a very lightweight, casual, just fun experience, and it's supposed to be kind of left up to chance. And so I didn't mind the randomization that was brought in by combining all of the cards into a single deck. But Jake does have a good point about there are situations where you can get stuck with cards that no one can use and no one can roll for. And so I think Machi Koro 2 has definitely improved upon that, you know, original setup. Yes, I agree. And I would be willing to go back and try the expansions if we set them up this way. Like, I, I would be willing to try that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. We like to talk about the expansions and add-ons for games in this podcast, typically. But as of right now, there are no expansions to Machi Koro 2. Uh, we don't even know if it's been released yet. So, there are none. That being said, the original Machi Koro has two expansions, like we mentioned previously. The Harbor, as well as the Millionaire Row. The Bright Lights Big City is a standalone that just adds all those elements together and changes a little bit of the rules, not a whole lot. But we do highly recommend those. There's also a legacy version, isn't there? There is also a legacy version. I don't know what... I mean, I know what a legacy game is. It's going to change each time you play it. Kind of like a campaign game. It, kind of like a campaign game, but the changes are for the whole game, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it, it plays just like Machi Koro, but because we did these things last time, now this happens. Okay. Again, Machi Koro 2 may or may not be out yet. If it is out, it just released after we recorded this. So as of right now, there aren't any ratings on Board Game Geek for it. But the original game has a rating of 6.6. .6. That's a little bit lower than the ratings given to the games that we normally cover. And I think part of that is because this is a little bit... I feel like this game is in a little bit of a different class. I don't know if it's a board game proper. It's, like I said, more of a casual 
experience. It could be a party game, except that it doesn't, you know, allow for so many players. You know, I also think it's pretty low. I don't want to say it's an accurate rating necessarily because this has been nominated for several awards, but those awards are prestigious, including like Germany's Game of the Year, France's Game of the Year, the Australian Game of the Year, and then a couple others. I think it did win Australia's Game of the Year, but just to be nominated for those prestigious awards is impressive. It's incredible because, you know, not everything can be. I think Germany's Game of the Year this year was Paleo. We'll talk about that at some point, but this game's better than that. (laughs) You're opening up a box of worms. (laughs) It's easier, that's for sure. Yeah, well. Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so also part of it might be just the fact that the original game is from 2012. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's nine years old at this point. But those are not all from 2012. Like the Germany Game of the Year nomination was 2015. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not just like, oh, well, it was the only one that year. No, these are in between. I don't know. In my opinion, Machi Koro has been a beloved project by the creator and by Pandasaurus Games. That is something that has been evolving over the past almost 10 years. And in my opinion, it's gotten better. There are some things that might have been a little bit of a setback, but I feel like they recognized those and have done a good job of remediating some of those problems, some of those concerns, like what Jake was talking about. According to, you know, the rules that we're seeing in Machikoro 2, I feel like it's going to be a good, well-balanced game that meets the criteria to be in this short and sweet category. And something that's just casual that you can pull out and you can play with your family without needing to get too in-depth with any kind of rules or complications. And on that note, you know, I think we should talk about our ratings and the first one being the easy versus difficult. Because, you, you know, you mentioned the fact that it's a game that you can just pull out and play with your family. Absolutely. I think that not only is the first one easy, very easy, I believe looking at the rules Machi Grow 2 will be the same. It's an easy, easy game. The way that we like to determine that is how difficult is it to understand the rules and mechanics? Are you constantly going back and looking things up? Are the rules written ambiguously? You know, you don't have to go and look anything up because it's very plain and easy. There's not much you need to remember. You roll the dice, you look at the number on the dice, and then you look and see on your card, do I get money from this or not? That's pretty much it. And then you build new buildings. And then you build new buildings with that money. I, honestly, this is probably the easiest game that we've covered by far. Yeah. I'm going to give this like a one or a two. I'm going to give it a two. I feel like it does require you to pay attention a little bit, but you could play this with kids. Oh, yeah. You can play this, you know, with your elderly grandma and anybody in between. It, it has a really cute aesthetic. And I think it's just, it's good for all ages. The box to Machikora 1 says ages 10 and up, but I think you could easily play this with a six or seven year old. That's honestly probably just because of the small components that are the coins. Yeah. that That's honestly the only reason I can imagine. It's not like it's difficult to comprehend. Simple versus complex is our next rating. It is how much strategy is involved in the game in order to use the mechanics to win. There's not a lot in this game. Now that they've set up a random marketplace for the cards that you're purchasing, that eliminates some of the the strategy because you're you're bound by what is available. 
unlike the first one where you could just buy whatever you want and kind of build your strategy from there. But it's also a dice rolling game and dice rolling games are completely random. You don't know. You could go a whole game without rolling a number that you bank on. (laughs) I mean, okay, so I'm going to argue with that a little bit. I think there is some strategy because certain number combinations are more common than others. And we talked about this pretty in depth in our Settlers of Catan episode. But, you know, you should go and purchase those cards that, you know, have those higher chances of rolling numbers. Right. But I do agree there's very limited strategy that you can have at this point. It is randomized. So your selection is not necessarily exactly what you want it to be, but you can recognize which cards might have a bigger chance of triggering. Yes, that's the probability of those being rolled. But just because it's more probable doesn't (laughs) mean it's going to happen. True. Even though the dice and the numbers always defy me, I put my faith in math. <laughs> well, sometimes math is wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna give this like a like a two on strategy. Like understand what is most available or most likely to be rolled, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, and then like being aware of the new landmarks and which ones have an effect on just you versus like granting bonuses and effects to your opponents as well. But that's it. So I agree, a two. This just barely has any level of strategy in it. Okay, so our last rating section is rote versus random. Basically, what elements of the game are randomized or cause you to have a unique playing experience every time. I would say that this is a very highly random game. Cards are randomized, the dice are random, you know, you don't have a whole lot of control over how the game plays out. Whether or not you win is basically going to be random. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I think that's something that contributes to this being a lighter game that is good for players of all ages. I agree. I don't think it's bad, but that's kind of where I lose interest a little bit is the randomization. Whether or not you win or lose, dictated by chance, I I hate that. Well, I don't hate it. It's just, I prefer to win because I won. And I don't like losing because I had no choice. Mm -hmm. So, while I love the original, because there is a little bit less randomization. Yes, the dice are random. But you have a little more control over what you're purchasing. Well, really, you have complete control over what you're purchasing. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's two different mentalities that you have to have, right? If we're going to play a strategic board game, that's one totally different mentality from, hey, let's just hang out, kick back, and play Machi Koro. Totally different. Different audience, just a different mentality. Yeah. So, I mean, you can definitely enjoy both types of games and just be in the mood to play one over the other at certain times, right? I enjoy this game. I enjoy it with the randomization elements because it gives you a lot more buildings that you can build, you know? So yeah, it's not realistic to have them all laid out on the table because it just takes up so much table space to have each and every single one there. But it fits with how I feel the game is meant to be played out anyway. So I'm going to call it an eight. I'm going to say a seven. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight on the randomness rating. Yeah, the only thing more random would be if the cards are randomly just assigned to you. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't sound like much of a game at all. <laughs> no, then that just sounds like, I don't know, like watching a movie of a game. 
Mm-hmm. Like Jumanji. What? All right. So, Jake, tell me, would you rather play this game than sit in the Miami airport from 7.30 p.m. until 9 a.m. the next day waiting for your flight to come home from your awesome pin? Knowing my luck, I'm going to have to do the second one. So the first one would probably help me with the second one, right? That's what I was thinking. You could totally play this in the airport. It's true, but we don't have it yet, so. Right. (laughs) But yes, I would much rather play this game than sit in the airport for 14 hours. Yeah, I agree. I love this game. It's super cute, very casual, very fun. Just a good way to kill some time and, you know. Good fun with family members. Yeah, and this is a great game for kids. Yes. And there you have it. That's Machikoro 2. Thank you all again so much for listening. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. That's S-O-B-O-A-R-D podcast. We'd love to hear about any fun house rules that you have for either version of Machikoro or experiences that you've had playing this game. You'll also be able to find pictures and short stories of other games that we've played recently and interact with us everything tabletop. You can also email us if you'd like at wearesobored, that's W-E-A-R-E-S-O-B-O-A-R-D at gmail.com. And make sure you subscribe so that you'll get notified whenever new episodes are released. And if you have a minute to leave us a rating, that's also extremely helpful for us. And uh, it helps other people find our podcast. So we really appreciate it. We'd also like to thank Mitchell Mims, the designer of our art. He's currently accepting commissions. So check him out on Instagram at M-I-M-S-C-O-S-A-R-A or on his website, M-I-C-H-E-L-M-I-M-S dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. And that's it. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.